Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids, a show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. Your paleontologist. I'm Dinosaur George, and I'm thrilled to be spending my time with you. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope you are enjoying school if you are in school. Got a lot to talk about. First, I want to say that we now have 132,000 downloads of this podcast. So that is a lot of people listening. And we are now heard in 110 countries worldwide. Woohoo! 110 countries here in this on this beautiful planet listen to this podcast and I'm thrilled. Our Patreon club is growing like crazy. We now have 346 club members. And for those of you that are 10 years or older, If you decide to join the Patreon club, if you're 10 years or older, we now have a club level for you. It's exactly the same as the regular Tyrannosaurus club. That's the highest club we offer. But the plus 10 is just simply if you are 10 years or older, I want you to join that one. It's the same thing. But the only reason why is because we're getting so many people joining our club that we may have to start separating them into age brackets so that um, everybody can participate. So if you are 10 years or older and you want to join our club, I hope you'll join the Plus 10 Tyrannosaurus uh, Club. And if you're under 10, I hope all of you will join the one of our clubs. Our club started a dollar a month, and they go to $5 and then to $10. So uh, hopefully, if you're interested in becoming a club member, I hope you do. We do some cool stuff. We do a minimum of uh, if you're a dollar a month club member, you get to join us for one lesson each month. And if you are a five or ten dollar club member, you get two lessons each month. And the lessons are always different. It's always a different topic. All right. For those of you that live in or around New Jersey, if you live in or around New Jersey, Saturday, September 25th. 2021 this year, I will be doing three live shows at a place called Field Station Dinosaurs. Their website is jerseydinos.com. That's J-E-R-S-E-Y-D-I-N-O-S.com. Jerseydinos.com. First of all, if you've never been there, They have life-size robotic dinosaurs all throughout the area. It's amazing. It looks really cool. I can't wait to see it. But I will be doing three shows. Now, with your paid admission, you get to come to the show, any any one of the three. Or you can come to all three of them if you want, I guess. I don't know. But um, show times are 11.30, and 2 o'clock. That's Saturday, September 25th of this year, 2021, this coming Saturday. Um, shows at 1130, 
1.15 and 2 o'clock. It is part of their science program, and I can assure you my shows are funny, and they're fun, and they're fast, so you won't be bored. And no matter what age you are, if you're an adult, you're going to have just as much fun, and you'll get to see some pretty cool stuff. I'm going to bring a lot of different teeth and claws and bones and skulls to show you. So, that is in New Jersey at a place called Field Station Dinosaurs. If you just Google Field Station Dinosaurs and then look for the one in New Jersey, I hope to meet you. If you come out to that, to one of those shows, please make sure and come up and introduce yourself and tell me that you listen to the podcast because I'd absolutely love to give you a shout out on a podcast when I record it, when I come back to San Antonio. So please come up and say hi, introduce yourself, and I'd love the chance to get to talk to you and uh, meet you in person. Speaking of shout-outs, I've got a number of shout-outs to do. First, I had two private birthday lessons, one for Emery, one for Charlotte. Those were so much fun. I hope you guys had a good time. I hope you learned some fun stuff, and happy birthday to both of you, and of course, happy birthday to anyone having a birthday in September. But thank you guys so much. Charlotte Asaurus, I had such a good time. Emery Raptor, I had such a good time. Thank you for letting me uh, be a part of your birthday celebration. I enjoyed it very much. Also want to give out a shout out to Exley Elementary in Houston, Texas. Exley Elementary brought our traveling museum and we set it up there and had a great time. Every single student got to go through the exhibit they had so much fun, and I hope they enjoyed it as much as we did. And then Carnahan Elementary in San Antonio. We just did theirs just a couple of days ago, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, the lady who the school is named after, Miss Peggy or Dr. Peggy Carnahan, is a very good friend. And uh, I'm always honored to get to go to that school simply because of my friendship with Miss Carnahan. So um, those are the two schools we went to with the Traveling Museum, and that was a lot of fun. All right, let's get right into the feature creature. It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. This podcast episode is going to focus on the dire wolf, an amazing, an amazing predator. Now, the dire wolf, that's the nickname for it. Its true scientific name is Enocyon dirus. Enocyon dirus. You never hear it called by that. What does that name mean? What does Eocyon, Enocyon dirus mean? It means the dreadful wolf. That's the name. And it's a very appropriate name because if you were to see this wolf in nature, it would be pretty dreadful. Now, it's about the size of a gray wolf or a timber wolf. It's, it was a big it was a big animal. It was about 160 centimeters long. That's for that's over five feet long. And it weighed about 68 kilograms, which is 150 pounds. So listen, this is this is a very big, heavy animal compared to you and I. They're found in North and South America and in Eastern Asia. They lived during the late Pleistocene. That's about 125 to 95,000 years ago. They were quadrupeds. 
which means they walked on all four legs, and they are absolute carnivores, possibly omnivores, because wolves and coyotes today will eat fruit. They will eat. They will uh, eat fruits and vegetables sometimes. So maybe they were mostly carnivores. Everything about them says carnivore. But they probably took advantage of any food source that they could digest. They're not eating leaves and grass because their body is not made to digest that. But they could eat fruit and vegetables because they could digest that. And that would supplement their diet. Dire wolves are incredible animals. Absolutely incredible. They are the largest member of the canine family, the dog family. So the dire wolf is the largest member of the true canine family. If you have a dog in your house, your dog is related to the dire wolf. These were very successful animals. And I just told you they were found in North and South America and Eastern Asia. When you cover that much area, that means you have to be very successful. If you're not successful, you can't spread all over the planet. You can only mostly stay in one area. The fact that these dogs could were able to migrate into different areas is a pretty good suggestion that they were very successful. And maybe they were successful for a number of reasons. But it could be, like I was mentioning about their food, if you eat a variety of food, you have a better chance of surviving compared to if you only eat certain things. Like koalas only eat eucalyptus. If the environment changed and eucalyptus trees died, koalas would go extinct because they can't eat a variety. Now, if you are a bear, like if you are a grizzly bear, you can expand your area because you can eat a variety of things, plants, animals, insects, fruit, veggies, anything. The only reason why they, they are not able to expand all over the country again is because obviously humans prevent that. But if humans disappeared tomorrow, things like grizzly bears would spread all over North America, maybe even migrating down south again. So animals that are successful are always those that can eat a variety of food and are not limited to one food source. And that's why I believe these animals were successful. They also were able to live in a variety of different habitats. They could live on the open plains. They can live in the upper woodlands. They could live in deep forests, mountainous regions, prairies, even frozen areas and the desert areas. These animals could adapt to every environment. You would have seen them everywhere. Here in Texas, we have coyotes. Coyotes are learning to live everywhere. They're living in the cities now. A coyote would have never come near a house. Now some live underneath people's homes. They are adapting. Well, canines, which is dogs, have the ability to adapt based on their environment. So here you have a prehistoric canine, a dog, the biggest member of the family, like I said, who are living all over the place in all different environments. And that's not common with a lot of animals. Most animals have a particular environment that they prefer. But with the case of these guys, they are taking advantage of everywhere they went. And they ate a big variety of animals. Deer, antelope, bison, 
Some people call them buffalo. Camels, horses, sloths, elephants, like mastodons and mammoths. Now, they're not attacking the adults, but they're attacking, attacking babies. And like I said, it's, possibly, it's possible they're eating fruit as well. So the reason why they lived everywhere is, one, they could adapt to every environment. Two, they ate a big variety of things. And three, they probably lived and hunted in groups. And any predator that hunts in a group is always going to be much more successful than a predator that hunts on its own. One of the, one of the, um, um, oh my gosh, my mind just went blank. One of the exceptions to this rule are things like tigers and jaguars. And that's because they live in a very dense environment, a jungle setting. They don't need the help of other predators to catch their prey because they can hide from it. But if you live in a in the woodlands, in the plains, in the in the forest, in the deserts, your prey or your your prey can see you coming from a long way away. You have to be able to come with so many numbers that you're able to surround the prey. Then when your buddies are hiding up there behind that group of trees, you're coming from the other way. You want the prey to see you. You want the animals to see you. So you turn and run away and you're running right into a trap. But if you're hunting by yourself, that doesn't do you any good. You can't set a trap. Where would you hide? You would have to hide in a place and hope that something walks by. Well, you could spend your whole day there and nothing would happen to walk by. But if you can drive or force the animals into a trap, you're going to be more successful. One other thing about the dire wolf, it has the strongest bite force of any known dog, any canine. Canine is the scientific term. They have big teeth. They have a very powerful bite, which would allow them to eat more, a more variety of food. They can bite through things that maybe other predators couldn't penetrate. They hunt basically everything in their, in their domain. They hunt in packs. These, all these things come together to make the dire wolf one of the top predators of its environment of its time. It was first discovered in the 1850s in North America, and later they started finding more pieces all over the world. So it was known back in the 1850s. I do want to mention this. There are some studies that suggest that maybe the dire wolf isn't closely related to modern wolves, or even dogs. Some scientists suggested that this is a different kind of animal that just happened to look just like a wolf or like a dog. You see, sometimes two different animals can look very similar, but they're not closely related. Sometimes that can happen. A perfect example of that is an ichthyosaur and a dolphin. They look very similar, and yet they're not related at all. They're not related at all. How come they look the same? Because they live in the same environment, and your body is going to be designed to work in whatever environment you live in. So ichthyosaurs and dolphins look similar, 
because that body design works great. So some scientists believe that, and that, by the way, is called convergent evolution. Convergent evolution is the word used to describe when two different animals look similar but are not related. Another example would be Brachiosaurus and a giraffe. They both have a long neck. Why? Because they both need a long neck to reach up into the trees to eat the leaves. So they both developed long necks, but they're not related to each other. They have nothing to do with each other, but they both have long necks. So some scientists believe that the dire wolf is an example of convergent evolution where it just happened to look like a dog. But I will say this. I would say that the majority of paleontologists disagree with that, that they absolutely believe it is a giant dog or a member of the dog family, the canine family, and it is absolutely very similar to modern wolves. I personally believe that it is absolutely a wolf and that the dire wolf is the proper name for it. Now. You always have to remember, my future scientists, that a true scientist has to be willing to change his or her mind if new evidence comes out. You cannot be a good scientist if you refuse to look at the information differently. It doesn't mean that new information is right, but you have to be willing to look at new evidence. It is okay to change your mind about something you think. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. If you think Tyrannosaurus Rex would chase down and catch its food, good. If somebody else tells you no, they couldn't do that. That's okay for them to think like that. But until evidence proves you're wrong, you don't have to accept it just because somebody else says it. So. I disagree with the idea that it is not a member of the canine family. Currently, it is listed as a member of the canine family, and I believe that is what it is. So who were its competition? Who did, who did it have to worry about? Well, you always have competition. Even if you're the top predator, you have competition. They would have competed with bears, coyotes, mountain lions, saber-toothed cats, and the American lion here in North America. They would have had to deal with the American lion. The saber-toothed American lions are big. I believe they probably stayed away from all those. Coyotes would only be a problem, and yes, there were coyotes during the Ice Age. Coyotes would only be a problem if they found unprotected babies. Because the coyotes would eat the babies as a food source, but they'd also want to get rid of them to make sure they don't grow up and become full-grown wolves. Bears are probably the biggest challenge to these, especially in North America, if you're dealing with the short-faced bear, Arctotus simus. That dude is a brute. I don't believe a pack of wolves took on the short-faced bear. Too much to lose. Too many chances of being killed. You just simply stay away from that thing. But mountain lions, they would have been a danger. But against a pack of wolves, I don't think, I think the mountain lion would have ran. I don't even think the saber tooths would have stayed and fought if they were by themselves. Maybe if saber tooths lived in packs, that would have been a battle. Can you imagine a group of saber tooths taking on a group of dire wolves? Oh my gosh. That would have been crazy. So even though they are the top predators, they still have competition. 
I believe if they made a kill and the giant short-faced bear showed up, I think he would step in and chase them away, take their food. He would eat as much as he wants, and then he would probably leave, and then they'd go in and eat the rest. But other than the short-faced bear, none of these other animals are going to try to take away the food from a pack of wolves. The only thing they're going to do is kill some of the prey and maybe not leave much to eat for the dire wolves. Here's the thing that makes the dire wolf, in my opinion, one of the most exciting. And that is how many skeletons they have of the dire wolf. There's a place in Los Angeles, California, called the La Brea Tar Pits. If you don't know what a tar pit is, let me explain. Tar is this black, gooey, sticky stuff that is in the ground. Sort of like oil and gas are both in the ground. So is tar. It's a natural product. In some places in the world, that tar has bubbled up through the ground. It came all the way up to the surface. So it's like a big lake of this gooey, sticky petroleum, this tar. If you've ever gone to a beach and you get that black stuff on your feet, sometimes that's tar that has escaped from a ship or maybe from an oil rig. And that tar floats to the shore. So tar is waterproof. If you pour water on tar, the water floats on top. So imagine a big lake full of the sticky, gooey black tar. And then it rains. Well, the water floats on top. If you walk up to it, it looks like a lake. And if you're thirsty, what are you going to do? You're going to walk out into the lake to get a drink and you're going to get stuck. And lots and lots of animals got stuck. Ground sloths, buffalo, elephants, camels, all these animals got stuck. Well, if you're stuck and you're struggling to get out, and a predator happens to see you, the predator's going to say, hey, guess what? That's lunch. That guy is lunch. So the dire wolves knew to always go by there and check that trap. And sometimes even a big elephant trapped would be a meal. The dire wolves would take off running and leap into the air and land on top of the poor animal that's stuck in the tar. And they would start eating as much as they could. Now, slowly, the animal stuck in the tar is slowly sinking. And the wolves that ran and leapt, jumped onto its back, they're eating. And the longer they stay, the farther down the animal's sinking. So if you are a wolf and you've eaten as much elephant meat as you can, now remember... The way you got onto it is you ran as fast as you could, you picked up a lot of speed, and you jumped in the air and you landed on it. Sometimes you didn't land on it, and those wolves would get stuck in the tar and they would sink too. But even if you were lucky enough to land on it, you know what? Now you have to jump back. But now you don't get a running start, there's no room to run. You don't get to run as fast as you can, which means you don't get to jump as far. And your tummy is full of meat. Now you weigh 20 pounds more than when you jumped. So what happens? They try to jump to dry land and into the tar they went. 
and their bodies would sink. The La Brea Tar Pits, in the La Brea Tar Pits, they have found 4,000 specimens. 4,000 dire wolves have been found in the La Brea Tar Pits. What does that say? That says that that trap not only caught herbivores, but it also caught carnivores like the dire wolf. So why did the dire wolf become extinct? Why did it happen? Well, there's a number of reasons why it could have happened. Maybe the competition. Maybe the smaller wolves were more effective than the giant wolf. Maybe the smaller wolves were eating everything and leaving nothing for the giants. So the gray wolf, the timber wolf, maybe they were better hunters. And that meant that the uh, dire wolf had nothing left to eat. Maybe the prey figured out how to get around what they were doing. If they saw a wolf coming, rather than turn and run the other way, maybe they learned to run right at the wolf and run around it. Because they knew it was by itself. Its buddies were hiding. Maybe the prey figured out, instead of running, let's stand our ground. Let's fight back. If I'm a buffalo, hey, I'm not running anymore. My baby is going to stand behind me and I'm going to stand there. And when that wolf comes, I'm going to fight. Maybe that was it. Or maybe it was a change in the environment. But I, I don't believe it would have been an environmental change. Why? Because they lived all over the place. They lived in all different kind of environments. If you can live in the snow or you can live in the desert, then what difference does it make if your environment changes? You just move to a place you like better. So I believe it was either new competition or I believe that it was the prey. They figured out what to do. Or maybe, just maybe, they just got smaller and became what we see today as the modern wolf. Maybe being big wasn't good anymore. Maybe, let's say there's a family of dire wolves. Four of them are giant like they were, but one was kind of a small one. He was a runt. He was little. But he or she was faster, and they could catch more food, and they could eat more. And so when a time came to find a girlfriend or a boyfriend and start a family, they're more likely to live. Maybe the four older brothers or sisters, the bigger ones, didn't survive because they were too slow and now started a new trend of them being smaller. We can't say for sure, but whatever the case was, the dire wolf is an absolute amazing animal, the largest canine that ever lived, and it would have been a magnificent animal. All right. If you would like a personal lesson by Zoom, if you would like for me to uh, maybe make an appearance at your birthday party, not there, but through Zoom, or if you would just like to talk to me about dinosaurs, then pay attention to this. Hey, kids. You can have a private virtual lesson with Dinosaur George. Have him speak at your birthday party or have a lesson just for you. Lessons last 45 minutes and are available to all countries and time zones. 
visit our store at dinosaurgeorge.com and order your own private lesson today. Let's jump over to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page and see what's happening. First, Harry Cephalosaurus, who's nine, has drawn me riding on the back of an Elasmosaurus. And Tyrannosaurus Robin, who is six, has drawn me being eaten by one. You little stinker. You little. Why did you get me eaten? Why was I eaten? Do I look like a fish? Do I smell like a fish? You guys posted great pictures and I love these very much. And by the way, it looks like mom or dad, whoever did this for them, said, we love your podcast and you are listened to daily. That's very kind of you guys. So shout out to Harry Cephalosaurus and Tyrannosaurus Robin. I am so glad that you are members of our uh, Tyrannosaur Club. I'm glad to have you uh, as members. Thank you for joining and thank you for sending those great pictures. And don't ever show me getting eaten again, you little stinkers. All right, next, this one's great. I like this very much. Liam, who is seven years old, did a really cool drawing, and Liam even shot a video. So I'd like for you guys to hear the video that Liam shot. Whoop, hang on a second. Let me start that again. I'm sorry, Liam, I had you muted. I'm Liam from Grapevine, Texas. This is my scene so it's a volcano erupting with a dinosaur running away acid rain lava globs the meteor and this is you getting all the action bye <laughs> anything else you want to say wait what kind of dinosaur is it and that is uh, i don't know a saurus and i don't know a saurus hey, anything else bye dinosaur george liam Hi, dinosaur george. that was Hi, the liam. coolest video that's the best drawing but you stinking little kid, why did you have me getting attacked by everything? It's bad enough that I'm being eaten by dinosaurs by everybody, but you're having me attacked by acid rain, volcanoes, lava. <laughs> and I love your I don't know asaurus. That was great. Liam, thank you so much for posting that video. Thank you very much. That was very, very kind of you, and I loved it very much. All right, Webionics. Love that name, Webionics. These are dinosaurs built by Webionics. Can you guess which ones they are? Well, let's take a look. Webionics, you made a bunch of dinosaurs. It looks like, is that a Spinosaurus? Is that a Stegosaurus? Is that a You Smell Like a Skunkosaurus? Is that... You Smell Like a Skunkosaurus? Okay, I might have made that one up. Webionics, I love these, and you did a very good job. Shout out to you. That's super cool. All right, Velocir Wyatt wanted to share the cool dinosaur exhibit we stumbled upon at the Montshire Museum of Science in Vermont. Check out the cool Allosaurus skeleton and claw he got to hold and so much more. This is great. Great pictures. Thank you for showing that cool Allosaurus, which you know is my favorite. Looks like you guys had a great time. I liked all of the pictures. That looks really cool. And Velasa Wyatt, it looks like there's a Shrimposaurus behind you. Oh, that's your sister. I'm sorry. I thought it was a Shrimposaurus. These are great. Thank you for sending that. I absolutely love it. All right. Oh, Uhtred, my little buddy. Hi, Dinosaur George. Four-year-old Uhtred has been hard at work painting watercolor dinos. He is selling these paintings at his little farmer's market table, and 100% of the money raised goes to our markets program that double dollars for SNAP 
and EBT customers. He loves sharing his dino paintings for a good cause. Well, um, Emma, I would like for you to send me information on how I can buy them uh, because I would like to buy some of his paintings since you are helping people, which is very kind of you to do. So if you would, please, please send us some kind of link. Or if you have a PayPal account, uh, please send it to me. I would very much like to do that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure some of our other uh, viewers would like to send money as well. Now, normally we do not let people post anything, and that's probably why you didn't put a link to it, which I appreciate. But I will go ahead and let you post information if there's a way that myself or other people would have the ability to send a little money uh, Utred's way because I love your watercolors. Shout out to you for doing such a good thing. All right. Hi, Dinosaur. Oh, and here's Utred. Also listen to the Elasmosaurus episode. He just completed the assignment. In this scene, you will see Sarcosuchus, Titanoboa, Archelon, Hermit Crad, Giant Starfish, and a Mosasaur-eating dinosaur, George. Wait one minute. What's that last line? And a Mosasaur-eating dinosaur, George, played here by Chewbacca. All right, let me see if I get this straight. First you used a Chewbacca for, to represent me. And then a Mosasaur is eating me. What kind of a kid are you, Utred? You little stinker. <laughs> I love this. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much for posting. All right. Hi, Dinosaur George. Kai, age five, wanted to show you his Elasmosaurus he drew today while he was homesick. Oh, I'm so sorry. And he did spell it out great. Kai, I hope you're feeling better. This was obviously a few days ago, so I hope you're feeling better. I certainly hope, and I love your picture. And Kai, this picture is so cool. If anybody else was feeling sick and saw this, it made them feel better. So congratulations to you for doing it. What a very nice thing. And I love it. And I love your drawing. Has the neck out straight, which is very good. That means you listen. I'm very, very proud of you. Okay. This is from, let's see. Uh, here is uh, Miss Rendy sent a picture, said, we found your podcast. And my son is listening to your Gallimimus episode. He wanted to share a swimming reptile with you. This thing looks great. That is huge. That is absolutely huge. That is a gigantic Mosasaur. That thing is as big as you. Man, does that look good, and I'm glad you found the podcast, and I hope you're enjoying it. So shout out to you for doing that incredible, incredible picture. I love it very much. Mom or Dad, thank you so much for posting that. That's very, very cool. All right, Heathoraptor setting up a Sarcosuchus, taking out a T-Rex. Now, this is a great scene. There is a Sarcosuchus that has got T-Rex by the leg, and I can see Heathoraptor even making the roaring sounds. I know what's going on. Love this picture. Shout out to you, little buddy. That's amazing. All right, Roland, who is three years old, set up a scene of Indominus eating Dinosaur George, played by Captain America, with all of his... Di Wait one minute. Wait one minute. Roland, age three, set up the scene of Indominus Rex eating Dinosaur George. Did you just use Captain America? To represent me. And I'm now being eaten. 
by by Indominus, by a Carnotaurus, by a tiger, you little stinker, Roland, you little stinker. Why did you? Okay, in the second picture, I'm in the mouth of Indominus Rex. What kind of a kid are you? (laughs) I love this. Thank you for making me Captain America. Better than being Chewbacca. Naughty little kids. Naughty little kids. All right. Hey, Dinosaur George, we are Ezra Raptor, age seven, and Elijah Saurus Rex, age five. We love listening to the podcast. This weekend, we went to the Naranjo Museum of Natural History in Lufkin, Texas. It was a very nice museum. It is. I want to tell you something. Uh, Mr. Uh, Naranjo is a good friend, and everybody there are friends of mine, and they are great. That's an excellent museum, and I'm so glad you went. Our favorite Dino T-Rex was there, who seemed friendly enough that they were able to get a picture with him. Now we are trying to talk our parents into a trip to Houston to see more fossils there after the trip to San Antonio and then a trip to San Antonio to see you. Well, 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 he said, we've already been to Dinosaur Valley State Park. What other places in Texas should we go for more dinosaur awesomeness? Well, the Houston Museum is absolutely one of the best places you can go. Absolutely an excellent place. Next, I would go to the Perot Museum in Dallas. I would go to the Fort Worth Children's Museum. And also down along the coast, south of Houston, is a place called the um, the Museum of Natural History in Lake Jackson. Or it's also in Clute. Both of those towns are so close. I don't remember which one it is. But they have an ex- They have an Allosaurus in there. They have an Allosaurus, Triceratops, Megalodon Jaws, Mosasaur, Bambi Raptor. They've got a bunch of stuff. And it's a small museum and it's free. So that is one of my all-time favorite museums. Love this picture. I don't know. After you took this picture, that T-Rex may have eaten both of you, so maybe you two are not here anymore. But if you are, Ezra Raptor, Elijah Saurus, shout out to both of you. Thank you for sending that picture. And here's little Charlotte Asaurus who wants to say thank you for her birthday Zoom yesterday and thank you for talking about her favorite dinosaurs. She got some new dinosaur Legos and toys and put together a scene. Look at this. Charlotte, uh, Charlotte Asaurus was one of the people who I did a birthday, a, a private birthday lesson to. Let's see who you got. You, you've got a big velociraptor, a pterosaur, a tyrannosaurus, and they're all uh, fighting over dinosaur George. You little stinker. You. Little stinker, you put me right in the middle of a bunch of dinosaurs that are going to eat me. You naughty kid. I love this. Charlotte, I love being able to do your birthday party, and I hope you enjoyed it, and so did your friends. All right, so shout out to you, Charlotte-asaurus, even though you are a little stinker. All right. Hello, Dinosaur George. My name is Ryan. I'm five and a half years old, and I live in Dubai. You, you want to know something, Ryan? I'm sorry, Rayan. Rayan, not Ryan, Rayan. Very sorry. Rayan, I got invited to come to Dubai and I may go. I would love to go. Rayan says, I love your podcast and listen to it all the time. I learned so much. I'm so glad to hear that. Rayan, I'm so glad that you liked it and you found it. Rayan says, this is my terrarium featuring an ankylosaurus hiding from a T-Rex. I hope you like it. Like it? I love it. You've got plants. 
You've got an ankylosaurus hiding among them. You've got a huge Tyrannosaurus Rex stalking through the forest looking for that ankylosaurus. T-Rex probably smells him but can't see him. I love this very much, Ray, and congratulations for doing such a great scene. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for listening. Shout out to you, my little friend, and maybe one day I'll meet you in person when I come to your beautiful city. All right. This is from Fasuki, who, who absolutely is such a good student. Thanks for another great lesson. Hey, you're welcome, buddy. Uh, I think Concavenator is really cool. So do I. We did a lesson on Concavenator, and I see that Fasuki drew a picture of it. It's amazing. It looks like it's standing on top of someone. Oh, yeah, it's standing on top of somebody. Who is it? That's Dinosaur George. You put me under the foot of Concavenator? You little stinker. What kind of kid are you? What kind of kids are all of you? I do not know what I'm going to do with you naughty kids who are constantly having me eaten by something. <laughs> All right. Shout out to you, my little friend. Thank you so much, Fazuki. Thank you so much for being a member of the Patreon Club. All right. Enzo, seven years old, from Melbourne. Very much enjoyed the latest podcast about Mosasaurs and Plesiosaur family. Thank you, Dinosaur George. My pleasure, Enzo. My pleasure. And this is a great picture. You guys have got to look at this picture. If you're not members of the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, it's free to join. And you can post your pictures and you can post your comments. You're welcome to do that. I love this one. This picture is amazing. It looks like a huge lake and you've done an amazing, that's a great picture. Nicely done, Enzo. That's very good work. All right, Christian is a new T-Rex member. Whoop, whoop, shout out to Christian. He joined on his sixth birthday. This is Spinosaurus eating a whale. Ooh, that's an interesting sight. You've got a great scene. You've got an orca. You've got, looks like dinosaur skulls. You've got a blue shark. You've got Spinosaurus eating a huge whale. This is great. Love this very much, Christian. Thank you for being a member. Thank you for sending this. Shout out to you, my little friend. By the way, are you wearing a Spider-Man suit? Because that's like the coolest thing in the world. Okay. Let's see. Um... Coloring this morning from Evan, who's in Alaska. Nice. Nice. Thank you, Dinosaur George. This is great. This is absolutely great. Evan, who is six years old and lives in Alaska, love the color. Absolutely. Evan, who is standing in front of that dinosaur? Evan, who is standing? This is Dinosaur George getting eaten. His arm is in the mouth of a T-Rex. You. Little. Stinker! What kind of kid are you, Evan? You put me in the mouth of a... Now, I I thought your T-Rex looked amazing, and now he's eating me, you little stinker. One of these days, I'm coming to Alaska, and when I find you... You're in big trouble, mister. <laughs> I love this. I, I and, and Evan is also a girl's name. So maybe I said, mister, maybe I should have said miss. Either way, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble for having me. The fact that you're making me get eaten. Yeah, you're a boy. <laughs> I love this. That's great. Thank you so much. 
All right, Madelinosaurus. Oh, my favorite Madelinosaurus. Uh, Madelina. I always say Madeline. Madelinosaurus made a picture of Dinosaur George being eaten by two megalodons. The two plesiosaurs are trying to save you. Wait one minute. Wait one minute. Made a picture of Dinosaur George being eaten by two megalodons. You naughty kid. You naughty little shrimp. What kind of a kid makes me get eaten by two giant sharks? Madelinosaurus, you're my favorite. But you're the naughtiest kid in the world. I love that. That was great. Thank you so much. Happy birthday to eight-year-old Leon. Leon, happy birthday to you, buddy. He wanted to share his cake with the group and had a lot of fun making it. I had a lot of fun making it. Mom, I guess that's mom. That's a super crazy cool cake. That's excellent, by the way. He's excited to join as a T-Rex member as part of his presence and are looking forward to his first Zoom lesson tomorrow. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Leon, I'm so glad to have you as a member. You live in Australia. And so, yeah, it was super early for you. It's 7 o'clock in the morning for you. That's an early lesson. But I hope you like the lesson. I love this cake. This is great. Happy birthday to you, buddy. I love that. Mom, I don't think I'd want to eat that. I think I just want to stare at it. That was amazing. All right. Thank you for reading Heathoraptors Who Would Win in a Lasmosaurus episode. We laugh so hard. He listens every day and loves it. Here's a Plato Titanoboa being eaten by a T-Rex. Love this. Love this, Heathoraptor. Love it, love it, love it. That looks so cool. It looks like you're feeding that T-Rex a giant piece of spaghetti. He's eating Spaghettiosaurus. That Titanoboa is great. Did you make that Titanoboa yourself? Because if you did, you you did a great job. Thank you, buddy. That was absolutely amazing. Hi, Dinosaur George. I just became a T-Rex member. This is my project, Elasmosaurus and Mosasaurus. I didn't put scales on the Elasmosaurus because I think they were smooth. Also, I can measure my height with dinosaurs. Famously, Hurricane Puppysaurus Isabella. Isabella, I am so glad that you are a member and I love, I love that measuring tape. That's cool. And your, your picture is great, by the way. Very good artwork. You're a very good artist. Shout out to you, little Isabella, Hurricane, Hurricane Puppysaurus. Okay, that's the best name I've ever heard in my life. And it looks like you are as tall as a Lambiosaurus? I don't know. Those look great. Or is that Sauropelta? I can't read the label, but that's a great picture of you. Love it. Thank you so much for sending that to me. That's great. And then it looks like uh, uh, young Mr. Hem sent a really nice picture. A great picture. I love that. I liked how you put the body... It looks like mountains behind it. That's an excellent picture. And I can see your elasmosaurus, which is great too. Love it. Absolutely love it. All right. Let's see. Hi, from Sydney, Australia. Rian, age five, wants to share his drawing of Giganotosaurus, Albertosaurus, Allosaurus with its baby, and a Truodon chasing after Dinosaur George while on an Argentine. Now, wait a minute. Wait one minute. I read this one the last time. You little skunk. I forgot I read this one on the last one. 
That is so cool. And as a matter of fact, you mentioned thanks for the shout out on the in the Elasma, uh, Elasma Source podcast. Well, you're welcome. And your picture picture deserves another shout out. And most importantly, it deserves one of these. Rian, you little stinker. One of these days, one of these days, I'm going to come to Sydney, Australia. And when I get there, you are in so much trouble. <laughs> All right, let's do a couple of Ask Dinosaur Georges, and that's going to be it for this particular lesson. I don't have any who would wins for this one. Eh, maybe I'll do one or two at the end. Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. All right, this question comes from my buddy Noah, who is a T-Rex member of the Patreon Club. Always asks amazing questions. Uh, Noah says, is Romalosaurus, why does Romalosaurus have such a long neck for a pliosaur? Is it a transitional form? Let me explain what he's asking. There are different groups of swimming reptiles. There are the plesiosaurs, the pliosaurs, the mosasaurs, and the ichthyosaurs. Each of them look similar, but they have lots of differences. Most pliosaurs have very short necks. They're big. Pliosaurs include animals like Chronosaurus and Lyplorodon. They are pliosaurs. So why does one of that family have a longer neck? Well, one of the things that we see happen a lot, Noah, is sometimes evolution likes to kind of do a test where it changes up somebody in the family. It's sort of like how things change. And in the case of that one, it may have been that evolution decided, you know what? Mother Nature decided, let's see what would happen if we have one that has a little bit longer neck. But since it's very rare, it doesn't seem to be as efficient as the short neck pliosaurs. So it was kind of like, it's sort of like saber-toothed cats today, uh, the saber-toothed cats. You had these cat-looking animals, and suddenly you had a group that grew enormously long teeth, and suddenly everybody had long teeth, and then they disappeared. Because it was sort of like a test. Would bigger teeth make you better? Do bigger teeth? Well, it turns out that no, bigger teeth didn't help. So they went away. So in the case of this, it could very well be that same thing. All right. Uh, Phoenix Velociraptor says, is Truodon a part of the raptor family? Yeah, Truodon fits in because it's got the killing claw on its foot. So it would fall under what we consider to be raptors. Raptors is a name that we apply to those dinosaurs that have the curved claw on their foot. Since Truodon has it, I consider Truodon to be a raptor. But Truodon is not dramatically closely related to dinosaurs like Velociraptor. There's a lot of differences between them. But I consider it to still be part of the raptor family. Since raptor is not a true scientific term, it is a name used as kind of like, um, uh, uh, like, a, like a general family name. Okay, Madelanosaurus. When animals got smarter to get away from Kellenkin, did they start to run zigzag? Now, this is a great question. Kellenkin, for those of you that heard that lesson, if you haven't, you want to listen to it. Kellenkin is a member of the Terror Birds, very fast. 
but Kellenkin does not have a long tail. And that suggests that it couldn't zigzag back and forth as easily. It's better for running straight because its body isn't made for zigzagging. So Madalena Soros's question is brilliant. Did they get smarter by realizing you can't outrun it? But if you zig side to side, it can't change direction as quickly. Yes, I believe that's a. I do believe that is why Kellenkin and other terror birds slowly became extinct because the prey figured out. Remember how I was talking about uh, how I was talking about uh, the dire wolf and how prey might have figured out how to get away from them. Well, that may be the case with Kellenkin and the other terror birds. All you had to do was just zig side to side and he can't turn fast enough to catch you. That's a brilliant question. That's very good. Now I forgive you for having me eaten by those other animals. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is from Benosaurus Rex. Did herbivores and carnivores smell different? Which would smell yummier to a T-Rex? Triceratops, Stegosaurus, or Allosaurus? Very, very, very good question. This is an excellent question. All animals have a different scent. Scent is very important. It helps members of your family figure out who you are. And it helps predators figure out who to eat. And it helps prey figure out who to stay away from. Yes, I believe they did smell very differently. If you've ever been around animals like hippos, rhinos, and elephants, those are three big animals. Three very distinctive different smells. Smell completely different. And so I do believe I absolutely believe that there would have been a difference in the scent of predator versus uh, prey because it scent is, is one of the most important things you can find. I mean, in the animal kingdom, smell is very, very important. It's very important because, like I said, it helps you figure out who you are, who they are, where they are. So, yeah, I do believe that scent would have played a major, major role. All right, let me jump over to my website and look at some of the questions that have been sent in by people. Um, uh, let me see. Oh, hang on. That's not working. So let me jump back over to here and let's see if we have some questions from some of my Patreon members. All right, let's just jump in. Let's do this. Let's end it with something else. Something like who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops? You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. All right, this first question comes from T-Rex member Aminosaurus Rex. Hi, DG. I have a who would win. One Velociraptor versus two Archaeopteryx versus three Allosaurus. Well, Velociraptor's the speediest of all of them. None of these are going to catch Velociraptor. Archaeopteryx is capable of flying. So Archaeopteryx is going to get out of there as quickly as it can. There's just no way it's going to stay and fight. It's too light. It can't. It has no weapons that could really be used much, very much against a Velociraptor. But nothing, none of those are going to stand a chance against Allosaurus. 
Allosaurus is simply too big. It can't catch Velociraptor. It probably can't catch Archaeopteryx. But if that dinosaur ever gets his teeth or claws on you, you are in huge trouble. Huge trouble because they're simply ginormous. All right. Let's see. Let's do another who would win. This is again from my buddy Noah. Inostrancevia versus Dimetrodon. Now, Inostrancevia is a huge predator from the from the uh, uh, Paleozoic era. And Dimetrodon, you all know it is the finback predator from the same time period. I believe Noah Inostrancevia is simply too big. Simply too big. I don't believe Dimetrodon is going to be able. And plus, I believe that the longer legs of us uh, in Ostrancevia, uh, in Ostrancevia, I'm sorry, would have given it speed well faster than Dimetrodon. I don't think Dimetrodon's going to stand much of a chance. I just don't think he can. I just don't think he can. All right. Uh, here's a good one. This is again from Madelinosaurus, who sent a good one. Truodon versus Dromaeosaurus. This is a pretty even fight. Both have the killing claw. The difference here is Dromaeosaurus is bigger. Would have been a little bit bigger. Would have been a little bit faster. It is my opinion that Dromaeosaurus is going to win this fight. Truodon is so lightly built. I just don't think he would stand a chance. So I'm going to give this one to Dromaeosaurus. All right. This is from Hennessy. My friend Hennessy. Megatherium versus Gigantopithecus. Now, did I... Yeah, I don't think I answered this one. I don't think I answered this one because this is a great one. This is a good one. I like this a lot. Megatherium is the giant ground sloth, about 20 feet tall. Gigantopithecus is the giant orangutan or ape-looking animal. It certainly would have been much smarter. Megatherium does have some pretty massive claws on its front feet. Listen, its arms, it would have, it would have dealt a terrifyingly deep cut. Gigantopithecus was probably smarter because its brain size is bigger. I just don't know. I just don't know if I don't think, I just don't think it could take on a megatherium. That's just my guess. That's a great question. I, I, that's great though. I like that very much. That's, that's a good one though. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Kai. Spinosaurus versus dinosaur George without his underarm stink power. Now let's take. What did you just say? Spinosaurus versus dinosaur George. That's me. Without the underarm stink power. You little stinker. How am I supposed? My underarm stink power is the greatest weapon in the history of the world. My stink bombs are the only way I can. You kids keep putting me in with these giants. You can't take away my stink bombs because then I'm going to be eaten in five minutes. Don't tell me that I have to use deodorant in these battles. Don't tell me that I don't have my stink bombs. I need those to survive. So if you took away my underarm stink bomb, well, Spinosaurus is going to eat me like a hot dog. You rotten kids. I need my stink bombs. My stink bombs are the most important part of my defense. 
All right, my little friends, I hope everybody enjoyed today's lesson. I don't have an interview for this particular one, so I'm going to end it with this. Remember, everybody, if you live in or around New Jersey, Saturday, September 25th of this year, 2021, I will be at Field Station Dinosaurs. Their website is jerseydinos.com. That's spelled J-E-R-S-E-Y-D-I-N-O-S.com. You can go there. You can see that. I think you can even buy the tickets through their website or you can pay there at the facility. They have all kinds of dinosaurs you can see. In between my shows, I'm probably going to walk around and look at the dinosaurs. So if you see me and you recognize me, come with me. You can walk with me. I'll walk around. We'll talk about the dinosaurs together. My show, my first show is at 1130. My next show is at 115. And my third show is at 2 o'clock. So if you get to come out, I hope you do. I hope you come out. I'd love to meet you. Please come up and introduce yourself and tell me that you listen to my podcast. For everyone out there, be safe. Be kind. Tell your mom and dad you love them if you're little. You know what? Even if you're an older listener, go tell your parents you love them. Moms and dads want to hear that. They do a lot of things for you, so be kind to everybody. And remember, if you're being attacked by a dinosaur, use your stink bomb. It's the best weapon. Till next time, take care of yourselves. Take care of the people around you. Keep talking about dinosaurs. And if you have friends who you think would like this podcast, please tell them about it. I hope you'll tell them about it because the more listeners we have, the better it'll be. I hope you'll consider joining one of our clubs because that helps a bunch. Have a great day, everybody, and I will see you guys soon. Listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club, and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks, and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah. Yeah.